Check, check, mic check. Check, check, mic check. <laughs> Welcome to Podcast Envy. I am your podcast boss, Andrea Klunder. I have two questions for you. How many of your conversations start with, oh, I was listening to this podcast? Be honest. And how disappointing is it when the person you're talking to has no idea what you're talking about? Okay, three questions. During this pandemic, do you miss talking to people in general? Like having conversations with people you don't live with or work with about things other than coronavirus? Or what about meeting new people? When was the last time you actually met someone new? Well, what if I could help you do both? Discover new podcasts to listen to and meet and have a conversation with new people who also listened to the same podcast episodes you just did. Yep, no eye roll there when you say, oh, I was listening to this episode. Today's guest, Adela Mizrachi, has designed a way to do just that, Podcast Brunch Club. Of course, Podcast Brunch Club started before anyone had ever heard the phrase shelter in place. And originally, members would meet in person to have brunch and talk about what else? Podcasts. But it's become so much more than that. And right now, the worldwide network of podcast fans that Adela started in Chicago has become a social lifeline for thousands of members. In this Podcast Envy conversation, we'll discuss how Podcast Brunch Club actually works, navigating in-person meetups to virtual, and why in-person, real-time communication is fundamentally so important to humans. If all of this sounds good to you, pop on over to podcastbrunchclub.com, linked conveniently in the show notes for this episode at thecreativeimposter.com forward slash pod envy 065 to see if there is a chapter near you. Since we're all meeting virtually at the moment, technically you could attend any chapter, but no matter when you're listening to this episode and taking action to find a whole new group of pod friends, you can join the virtual chapter from anywhere. Virtual chapter always meets online. Our themed playlist for July is Conspiracy. And if you're listening to this fairly soon after release, you still have time to join the club. It's free. Listen to the playlist and join the conspiracy conversation. Adela Mizrachi, thank you so much for joining me on Podcast Envy. You're welcome. I'm so happy to be here. I actually don't know how Podcast Brunch Club got started. So fill us in. What is Podcast Brunch Club and how did it start? Yeah, Podcast Brunch Club is like book club, but for podcasts. So people listen to podcasts on their own time and then get together to talk about it in the same way that you would all read the same book and then get together and talk about it in book club. We all listen to the same set of podcasts and then get together to talk about it. It has been in person. That was the primary way that we met. And we had like 80 chapters across six continents now. I didn't realize it was that many. Yeah, it's just taken off. And these are just people in these cities who are interested in they love listening to podcasts and they realize that there's something missing 
in that they don't really get to talk about the podcast that they're listening to with other people because oftentimes you're listening alone. And that's the same epiphany that I came to back in 2015 when I was listening to a lot of podcasts and was super moved by them or wanted to dig in deeper with somebody and was like, yeah, nobody's listening to the same podcast I am. And then you would have that random interaction with a friend and bring it up kind of cautiously. Oh, I heard on this podcast. And they would be like, they would eat. There's one or two reactions. They'd be like, what's a podcast back in 2015? Or they'd be like, oh my God, I love podcasts. What are you listening to? And then we'd swap recommendations. And I had one of those conversations with a friend and she had happened to listen to the same podcast I did. And then we started talking about that one and then she recommended more and I recommended more. And I was like, oh yeah, this needs to be a thing. This is exactly why book clubs started. And there's really no reason that there shouldn't be a podcast club. And so I just got a bunch of friends together and we decided to meet once a month for brunch. And Podcast Brunch Club was born in Chicago with friends. Where, when, how did the first non-Chicago, non-Adela run specifically chapter pop up? Like where did the chapter idea come from? So it had always been in the back of my mind when I first started it, thinking, oh, it'd be fun if other people, other friend groups in other cities would want to do something similar and we could have this weird, like, I could start this weird project, which is, I always wanted a little weird project. (laughs) And I sort of had it in the back of my mind, but I didn't really know what to do with it. So I started blogging about it maybe. And then I started a website and then I was talking to a friend and she lives in Geneva, Switzerland. And I was telling her about it. And she's like, I want to do this. And I was like, you could be our first chapter. This is Uh... perfect. Like you're a friend, you can start, you know, my first chapter. And so she started the first chapter in Geneva, Switzerland with a bunch of her friends. And that was the start of the sort of chapter model. But then what happened, and I didn't expect this, this is where, you know, serendipity comes into play. People started reaching out to me saying, I want to do this, but I don't, my friends don't listen to podcasts Hmm. and I want to open it up to other people in my city. And I was like floored because that's not at all what I expected. I really thought it would be little friend groups or even if, you know, a group of friends didn't have other friends who wanted, who listened, like starting it could be a way to get people to start listening. But no, I mean, most people came to me and said, I want to start it and I want to open it up. And that's 99% of our chapters now are open to the public. So you were international, like from the very first (laughs) chapter. How do you curate your playlists every month and decide exactly what, well, who decides and how do they decide what podcast you're actually going to listen to? I used to do a lot of the curation myself. And that's a lot of work, for one thing, (laughs) and also very limited in perspective, right? Like, everybody doesn't like the same podcasts I do. I don't have universal taste. I just like podcasts. So I didn't want to shove my tastes down everybody's throats. So I put it out to the, you know, community saying, if you want to curate a playlist for the global community, feel free, step up, tell me what your theme is and go for it. And so I kind of left it open and lots of people stepped out of the woodwork to do it. I didn't really vet them and I didn't vet the playlists. Like what I would do is I would say, you know, there are certain rules in terms of being able to curate. 
You have to have attended at least three meetings so that you kind of understand the lay of the land. You understand what the discussion looks like. And it sort of shows that you're a little committed. You're not just a fly by night who, you know, just wants to put their podcast on the playlist. Right. And then to that point, one of the rules is that even if you have a podcast, you can't put it on the playlist. And then try to make it sort of more internationally focused because we have an international community. You know, not to say that, you know, you can't have any podcasts on the playlist that focus on the United States, but not every single one should focus on the United Mm. States. And planting the seeds that way. And a lot of people stepped up and came back to me after it was all said and done and said, oh, my God, that was so much harder than I thought it was going to (laughs) be. Because it's different than a book club in that with a book, you don't read the book first before you choose it, right? Like it's sort of vetted because it's published, right? right? It's a vetted book because some publisher decided it's worthy of publication. With podcasts, it's a little bit more variable in the in the quality. Yeah. And so that was one of the other requirements that I made is that you have to listen to all of the podcasts before you put them on the playlist. You have to look at, listen to the entire episode that you plan to put on the playlist before you can sort of put it on the playlist. I mean, I can't even imagine. Did you start in 2015? Is that where you started? Yeah, in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. About 2016 is when we started doing chapters. So that's how many playlists that you've had over the Times 12, four times 48, uh, 60, 60, yeah. Do you have any themes that stand out in your mind as being either like some of your favorite themes or anything that was weird or controversial or anything like that? A lot of people are like, oh, I don't like the sound of that theme, so I'm not going to participate this month, right? Mm. I'm the opposite. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm not really into space, you know, but... I don't know, three hours of listening to space and then getting together with people for brunch doesn't sound like the worst thing in the world to do. So I'll do it. Big deal. Maybe I'll learn something. Maybe I'll hate it, but maybe I won't. Maybe I'll love it. Maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised. So, I mean, there's certain topics that I kind of like, like space that I (laughs) am not really into. There was one that was really tough. It was called Understanding China. And it was curated by one of our Chinese chapters. I mean... Again, like even though it wasn't the best playlist in my mind, I still talk about it a lot. Like there was a lot to talk about and unpack because of what they chose. And it's interesting, like I even put forward a couple of episodes. I was, was, you know, sending them ideas. Oh, this was a really good one from Planet Money or this was a really good one from whatever other reputable podcast. And they would sometimes just reject them. And fair enough, because, you know, they feel from their perspective, those podcast didn't do a good job of really laying it out. And in the end, I wasn't a huge fan of it. I thought it was a little bit too in the weeds, Mm -hmm. you know, about China. I was hoping it would be a bit more macro level. But again, it's curated by people who are Chinese. So maybe they just they don't have the same perspective that we do of what is and is not known about China. That goes back to the idea of how challenging it actually can be to curate a playlist if you're thinking about 80 chapters at this point in six different continents, trying to find themes and content that are going to be widely, A, understood, like there's the right context for them, and B, also like enjoyed and appreciated. I think that that can be really challenging because obviously we're all in our own little, you know, we're all in our own little bubble of existence and like Mm -hmm. having differing or opposing ideas or having 
I don't really understand what this podcast is talking about because I just, I don't have that point of reference or whatever it is. It's hard to know what other people are interested in and what their context is for listening to things. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, you can't do everything for everybody, right? right. I, I try to take a little of the of the stress out of it by just saying, you know, do your best. It's not going to be everybody's cup of tea, but that's fine. Not everybody has to love it. And it doesn't matter. It's three, four hours of listening, you know, and then getting together with people in your, your area to talk. But yes, it is when you are trying to think about your audience, which you should be if you're ever putting anything out there, right? It is. It's hard to get at everybody. And you're never, ever going to get at everybody. There's That's just impossible. You have to do your best and and then assume that if you love it, that other people will probably love it too, you know? And there's something to be said for. I remember, man, this is kind of a weird tangent, but I was at this like mindfulness and technology summit a couple of years ago in Chicago. And there was a session in which we were talking about apps and algorithms. And it was being facilitated by someone who his whole thing is like understanding the ins and outs of tech and algorithms and AI and stuff like that and trying to disrupt it in a way that's more positive and more beneficial for people. And how most algorithms that we deal with are confirmation bias, right? So they're like trying to figure out what we like and what we want and what we think and what we believe and feed us more of that rather than trying to present us with an alternative point of view. So if you go on Amazon, Amazon is going to recommend or Netflix is going to recommend things that it's pretty certain that you'll like based on what you've already read. But in this case, it's not an algorithm making the playlist. It's a human or or humans. And one of his things was, what if you could set a mode on Amazon that would say, look at the last 10 books I purchased and now suggest something to me that's Totally the opposite different. viewpoint or yes. something. Yeah, that's cool. I love that idea. We've got to break out of our bubble sometimes, you know? What does a typical session look like? What happens? It sort of depends on the chapter. I can tell you what we do at the Chicago chapter. Again, we're talking about pre-pandemic times. Mm -hmm. So we would meet up in person at some local brunch spot. We, in the beginning, hopped around to different brunch spots, but that got kind of stressful. And I found a place that was willing to accommodate us no matter how many people showed mm -hmm. up and was reasonable, you know, whatever. So I just picked that place and, you know, we'd chit chat for a little bit. And then at some point I would just be like, so what'd you guys think of the playlist? And then we'd just launch off on a conversation. And whenever somebody starts a new chapter, I always say to them, if you talk about the playlist for two minutes, five minutes, whatever, 30 minutes, 50 minutes, it doesn't matter. Like the point is getting together and talking. The podcast playlist is just a jumping off point for you guys to talk about other things. And if you decide to go off on a tangent and talk about what festival is next weekend in Chicago, fine. That's what you talk about. As long as everybody's enjoying the conversation, nobody's kind of like strong arming the conversation. <laughs> That's fine, right? Like, it's just a way to get together because it's hard. It's hard to get together with people. It's hard to meet people. It's hard to connect with people. And oftentimes, those kind of systems that are in place in order for you to connect are very transactional, right? They're networking events where somebody's looking for a job or dating events where somebody's looking for a partner. You know, people might be looking for a job and people might be looking for a partner, but that's just, that's not the point. That's not the reason that everybody's there. So, you know, it's just a way to get together that's a lot less 
stressful and kind of lower stakes, Mm -hmm. but can get pretty deep. I mean, we talk about really deep topics sometimes. I mean, we've done death. We've done laughter. One of my favorites was libraries. So we've done all sorts of topics and we can go deep and like kind of learn more about people than just chit-chatting about the weather or the festivals happening in Chicago, you know? Yeah. I want to go back to something that you asked me before. I kind of talked a little bit about the playlist that I didn't love. Yeah. And so the playlist that I did love was I love the libraries one that was actually curated by one of our library chapters. So we do have a few chapters that live in libraries. These are librarians that are just like implementing Podcast Brunch Club at their library. And in fact, I just launched a chapter here in my suburb of Chicago, Northbrook. They are launching a chapter of Podcast Brunch Club and they're starting off virtual because it's in the middle of the pandemic. And this is a good way to engage the community. And then in terms of curation, the other thing that has been really interesting to see happen is so, like I said, I started curating and then I sort of passed the baton to other people. What started happening just recently is that I've gotten... Like Adam Grant, who is a best-selling author, TUD speaker, actually curated our podcast listening list for us in April of 2020. So, And, and was, he's hosting a podcast right now called Work Life, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, that's another really cool thing we could do is get some of these big minds to put together five episodes for us to listen to and talk about them. That's so Anything. cool. This started off as just something that you wanted to do, right? It was just like a personal passion project. And now it feels pretty big. And I know that you are not a micromanager. I mean, that's not the sense that I get from you at all, nor do I think you even have the time in your life to be a micromanager. Even nor if you would want I want to, do. to be. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. So how much time are you spending on this? And what are some of the personal or professional benefits that you get from running the Podcast Brunch Club? Wow. I could never have imagined how much time I would spend on this. I really should probably log it. And I don't. Because to be clear, like this is not your full-time job. Oh, God, no. (laughs) No, I have a full-time job at a university. And I'm a communications manager. So sort of like a lot of the stuff that's baked into managing Podcast Brunch Club is something that I've been doing for, you know, for 20 plus years. So, you know, I know about websites, I know about social, I know about that kind of thing. So it wasn't like a huge learning curve in in terms of that. But in terms of time, it's a lot of managing, just helping people and kind of managing content, getting stuff and making sure that things are coming in on time because it is on a pretty tight schedule. I would probably estimate 30 hours a week. Wow. Maybe, maybe not that much. But in terms of brain space, for sure, right? Like I'm thinking about it kind of all the time because I'm listening to podcasts all the time too. So like, it's just kind of there. Oh, maybe this would be a good one for the playlist in some future iteration, you know? I Um, frequently want to post memes on social that are like, listening to podcasts like it's my job because it is. (laughs) (laughs) Not a bad job though, because listening to podcasts is kind of awesome. Right? (laughs) Yeah. It's podcast angel time, that magical time of the episode where you receive an invitation to partake in a product, service, or event that will make your podcast experience a little sweeter, smarter, shinier, and more successful. Do you even know what more successful will look like for your show? Uh Uh-uh. It has nothing to do with download numbers, stats, or probably even sponsors. 
Stumped? Got a few vague ideas? Well, let's talk about it. Tuesday, July 14, 2020, I'm hosting the first ever Podcast Envy office hours. Yes, my virtual office is open to you to workshop what success looks like or could look like for your show and how to move toward it. I still have a couple hot seats left, meaning we will deep dive for 15 minutes just on your show so you walk away with a custom success plan. Tickets are $50, and if that's not the right price point for you, I've got four spots left to name your price by donation. The Eventbrite link is in the show notes, along with the link to grab one of the last few tickets for launch your podcast, assuming you are still pre-launch. For Thursday, July 9th, this class is featuring a brand new segment, all the hardware and software I use to make my shows. Find links to both office hours and launch your podcast at thecreativeimpostor.com forward slash pod envy 065 linked in the episode description in your app. Remember, you can totally make your show on your own, but you don't have to podcast alone. You asked me a little bit about like, what do I get personally and professionally out of it? Oh, yes. The thing that has struck me over the last five years is that I started it exactly like you said, because I wanted it, right? I wanted this thing to exist, so I started it. And that's yeah. a great reason to start something. It has turned into something, you know, what I do now is not what I started, right? Like, I just wanted to start going to, like, brunches with friends every <laughs> month and get, and talk about podcasts. Like, what I'm doing For is sure. way beyond that now. But what I've realized that it sort of has pivoted into and really gets me going is that it's a more of a personal why, I love the idea that I'm getting people together in person again, pre-pandemic, just because, again, I find it so difficult to create true and honest and authentic conversation and connection with people these days, because most of the time we're hiding behind our phones, hiding behind our screens, like thinking that we're interacting via social media, but let's be honest, tweeting something is not having a conversation, right? Or like responding to a tweet. It's not having a conversation. I love Twitter. You know, I'm not, I'm not knocking Twitter. I've met so many people through Twitter and like real true honest conversations started there for sure. But I don't know, there's just something that felt broken that I didn't even realize until all of these chapters started popping up. And I think that there was a true craving for something like this. And that's why 80 chapters exist right now. People want to connect. And that's the sort of tragedy of what's happening right now with the pandemic. I personally felt a very strong pull toward this sort of in-person thing. I felt like there was a tide coming that people were starting to realize that they were really missing that in-person thing, that connection. Yeah. And then the pandemic hit and now we're not allowed to. So maybe it's maybe it's going to like even hammer it home further for people that it's so important, but it's just really put a wrench into everything. I want to stick on this topic of in-person connection, pandemic, isolation, virtual, because so this series on Podcast Envy, I'm talking with other podcasters about sort of how they've shifted their podcasting approach or strategy or content or how they're interacting with their communities during this time, which isn't that far of a leap because unless you happen to have a studio, a lot of podcasting happens online anyway. 
and it's consumed digitally and it's a time shifted consumed medium. But I've been interviewing a lot of people and hearing from a lot of people about like, oh, now that we see how we can do everything virtually and we have all these great online tools for connection, nobody's ever going to go back to face-to-face and in-person. And then there's people who are like, I was listening to a Harvard, one of the Harvard Business Review podcasts, and they're like, people are going to be so relieved to be able to go back to work in the office and have that water cooler conversation instead of every face-to-face Zoom interaction having to be strictly about work and productivity versus those like social connections and interactions. And so there's a lot of debate about in the workplace, in business, and in social situations, how much of the value of what happens can only happen in real life versus online. So I... I'm sort of of two minds, right? Like I actually work from home three days a week. I Uh work, you know, full time, but I work from home three days a week and I find it completely fine in normal times. It's fine. I I don't necessarily need that interaction. The way that my, my office is set up, I would probably not get a whole lot of interaction even if I was sitting there all the time. Okay. But I can see how other offices and the setups and the cultures are different. And that would be a totally different thing. And my brother works in advertising, And it's a very creative field. And a lot of times like creativity is sparked by these like random interactions with people and bouncing ideas off of people in an unstructured way. On the personal front, I have very strong feelings that we will lose something very, very fundamental to what it is to be human if we start interacting solely online. And and I have so many other concerns that are so much more like deep and existential about the whole thing in terms of the last few months we've had to really be wary of our neighbors. And we Mm -hmm. already have been wary of our neighbors. As a culture, I feel like we have already started to become so wary of each other. And it's so much more acute now, right? Now we're not looking at people and eyeing them and being like, did you vote for so-and-so? Or, you know, now we're like, did you touch that piece of mail that was sitting (laughs) on your porch? (laughs) You, You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, I just worry a little bit about the other phenomenon like everybody is the other and only the people in our social circle or the people that we know are safe or something like that happening and I that's where my true fear comes from where it's like a biological survival instinct you know it goes back to what I've always heard about and I feel like I can talk to you about these kinds of things being is that you're a communications person and it goes back to that whole thing of tribalism Mm -hmm. and how I've heard a lot of arguments that a lot of our prejudices if a stranger is approaching you, how do you know whether this is friend or foe? How do you know whether this is dangerous or potentially beneficial for your tribe and how you have to rely on visual cues from afar? There is this weird thing, like even with, you know, seeing people with half their face covered. Totally. It's freaky to me to watch people with just from their eyes because I can't see their face. I Mm -hmm. can't you read don't know their if expression. They're smiling at you. I can't. Yeah. yeah. And it creates this very unsettling feeling of distrust. <laughs> it's true. I think you you're you hit the nail on the head. Now all of a sudden not we are not allowed to get within 6 feet of each other, but we also can't see each other from the nose down, you yeah. know? And I could literally be smiling at somebody like full on smiling and I don't think my eyes would communicate that. Yeah. You know? So it'll be I don't know. Concerning is probably... Putting it mildly. Putting it mildly, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I'm 
interested to see because, you know, one of the things that you've had to shift, obviously, is you have something that you already had a virtual chapter all along that anyone could tune into. Mm -hmm. But now all of the local chapters, if they want to continue to meet, are forced to do it virtually. Do you feel, whether you're hosting or you're just attending, but when you're in a virtual session, what is the same as in person and what feels different to you? I've been of a little like torn, to be honest, when I have been talking to some of the chapter leaders who are thinking about maybe doing a virtual local chapter. There's pros and cons to both, right? Like, I think it's great if they want to, because they want to keep that sort of rapport going. And if they have a group that's sort of consistently met, or even if it's a new group, like one of our chapters started And immediately after they started, I don't think they even met one time in person, they had to go virtual. And she just didn't want to lose that kind of momentum and the excitement. And she's done a great job of really getting that chapter off the ground virtually. And I think there was something very important in that. The thing that's really beautiful, though, about the the global virtual chapter is that it's like an opportunity to actually see and talk to people that you literally would never have seen and Mm. talked to before. Yeah. So I've been at virtual meetings where we had somebody from London, somebody from Dublin, Paris, two people from the United States, Beijing, Kuala Lumpur, and Nairobi. Wow. Those are such different time zones too. How is everyone possibly meeting all at the same time? It's it's a Saturday morning central time. Works out for most people in Europe, well, yeah, people in Europe. And then it's a little tougher for Asian Asian, countries. But even Nairobi is eight hours ahead of us or something. So it was fine. And the weird thing about those meetings is that because we're in this situation of the pandemic, we have this common ground, we are all going Mm. through something very, you know, the same no matter where we live. And so there's this thread that not only did we listen to the same set of podcasts, which is always the common ground that you come to when you go to a podcast brunch club meeting, but we're also like in the middle of this thing that is happening to every single one of us. So it's really kind of cool to see that. And I've seen some people do both, honestly. They will go to the local chapter meeting and they'll come to the global virtual chapter meeting. Mm -hmm just to get that variety of perspective. And one of the things we haven't even talked about yet is that there is, in addition to the chapters and the groups, there's actually a podcast, Brunch Club podcast as well. Right. (laughs) Just because I didn't have enough to do. Correct. I see some similar personality traits in you as in me, so I recognize how these things can happen. But how did that podcast come to be And why and what role does that have within the ecosystem? I never intended for me to be the primary voice of the Podcast Brunch Club podcast. Not to say that I wouldn't have a voice at all. But again, I think the beauty of Podcast Brunch Club is giving everybody else a voice and like giving everybody else the space to talk to each other. And so the vision for the podcast was like, I'll get it started with my voice and, you know, just kind of getting people through. But eventually what I wanted to do is to get more input from the community in terms of like getting audio clips from them Mm. and piecing it together, almost like a montage of voices from the podcast brunch club community. So the idea in the beginning was something like, you know, we have this playlist and then we have these questions that go with the playlist. I'll pick one of those questions and I'll ask our community to send in their audio clip answer. 
And then I'll pick a few and put them together as a little montage of like, okay, so these are the answers to the questions. It was harder to pull off than I thought it would be, which I'm surprised. I thought it would be easy. I can tell you from experience, because I've done that with Podcast Envy, where I'm like, oh, I'm busy. So rather than schedule an interview, I will have like four other podcasters weigh in on these three or four questions, and they'll just send me the recording and I'll cut it together. It always takes so much more time. I know. I know. It's so hard. And I love it because I really just don't think anybody else needs to hear me talk, right? Like they're hearing me at the global virtual meeting. They're hearing me at the Chicago chapter meeting. Like they see me writing on Twitter and Facebook and on the you know website and stuff. I don't need more voice. Like I just want to be able to give other people the voice. So yeah, so that was the idea. That's not what happened. The way that it is right now is we have two types of episodes. One is what we call a roundup episode where myself and my co-host, who is our chapter leader in Houston and also had her own project called Audible Feast, she and I get together once a month to talk about the listening list. So we'll actually go through our thoughts about the listening list and then we'll go off on a tangent and talk about what other stuff we're listening to. And the whole point of that format is like that sort of mimics a normal podcast brunch club Mm -hmm. meeting. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk for 10, 15 minutes about the playlist and then 10, 15 minutes about what else we're loving and why we're loving it. And that's it. And then we started doing the other format is interviews with the creators that we feature. So we have had Wendy Zuckerman from Science Versus on. She just was a guest. She I actually just, really loved that episode. Do you listen to yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. You, you told me. I interviewed Allie Ward from Ologies. Sarah actually interviewed Helen Zaltzman from The Illusionist. Yeah. We've had Dallas Taylor from 20,000 Hertz mm-hmm. as a guest. We've had somebody from Hidden Brain. So sometimes we'll get these hosts or producers as guests on the podcast. Have you seen any shift in people's listening habits or behaviors or the types of content or type of episodes that people are choosing during this pandemic time? We plan like three to four months in advance. And I'm sort of changing the way that we do it. But honestly, we haven't really chosen a theme based like since the pandemic started. So the funny thing was when the whole pandemic started in March, I had already planned on a theme of happiness. So we actually had the perfect playlist for the month. Like everybody was so thrilled with that random choice. I couldn't believe it. I'm just glad I didn't pick like death or something. Right. I mean, yeah. So we had a whole playlist on happiness. And then the next month, which was the Adam Grant playlist on conversation, I had already chosen that theme because I was trying to sync up with the National Conversation Project, which is like a whole... It was a group of organizations that's sort of trying to kind of weave the social fabric back together of all all this damage that has been done with not having conversations. So I was trying to kind of jive with them, but then the pandemic hit. So I just kept kept the conversation, uh, the theme of conversation going. And that's why I asked Adam if he wanted to curate that playlist for us. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then we had a couple of playlists just sort of in the works anyway for the next few months. And we haven't had to pick a theme since the pandemic started. Have you gotten any feedback from people like, 
oh, we just don't want to listen to this right now, or oh, it's like too much, or I'm just curious because I know statistically podcast listenership is quote unquote down. Mm -hmm. People are saying, oh, well, people aren't commuting, so they're not listening. And I'm thinking, but that's not the only place that people listen to podcasts. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I just wonder if you've noticed any trends or in people's behavior. I noticed my own listening definitely dipped right in the beginning. Like when everything was just like crazy, I was just not listening. Now that things have like people have started settling into a groove, I wouldn't be surprised if it's back up to like normal or even more than normal. But in terms of like feedback from the community, I've gotten a little bit of feedback. Like we appreciate the fact that it's not about the pandemic. Yeah. Do you have any sense of what is the game plan for in-person chapter meetings for Podcast Brunch Club moving forward? (laughs) Like when it's okay, who decides it's okay? Are there any safety precautions recommended to the chapter leaders? Where's your brain with that? My brain is nowhere with that, honestly. Like I have to just let the chapter leaders make those decisions based on whatever guidance is coming out of their government and also based on how they personally feel and how the members feel. Mm. We will always have the virtual chapter for people to fall back on if they want. I'm actually really, really fortunate that we even had a virtual chapter to fall back on and that we had this kind of existing mechanism so we didn't even have to skip a beat. We didn't really have a whole lot of relearning to do around that. So that was really fortunate. And what is the future that you can see in an ideal world? For Podcast Brunch Club, where is it going or what is coming next? Right. So, I mean, okay. So truth be told, I would love for this to be my full-time gig. I don't know that I see a very clear vision of how that would happen. I have a couple of ideas, but like it would be a lot of work. And I don't know if I even know how to execute that work. But, you know, maybe, maybe eventually in the future. I mean, the, the funny thing is, Andrea, like I swear to God... When I had, I don't know, less than 10 chapters, maybe even less than five, I was interviewed on a show called The Big Listen with Lauren Ober. It was a show that was syndicated, I think, on NPR somewhere, like out of out of DC, I think. And she asked me at the end of the episode, like, what is your big vision for for Podcast Brunch Club? And I kind of said, seriously, I was like, I want a chapter on every, you know, in every big city. And and she kind of, <laughs> she laughed at me. She was like, oh my God, that's hilarious. You're so cute. And, <laughs> and now I'm like, um, 80 cities across six continents. <laughs> so I don't know, like, I kind of think, put it out there. Who knows? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so in that vein, if I'm going to put it out there, I would love for this to be my full-time gig. And the thing that would I, I would love most in the world is to be able to go and see and visit the chapters, like make a like a life out of not a life life, right? Because I'm not I don't, I'm not a nomad by any stretch of the imagination, but to find ways to actually physically go and visit and meet people and see all these people that I've been talking to and connecting with and and do that because I just think the people are awesome. I just can't say enough about how awesome the people are. I have, I kid you not. I have a document on my Google Drive called Warm Fuzzies, Mm. where I just dump (laughs) everything that people send me that makes me feel good. Because, you know, sometimes we need that. It's an awesome document. I just get these like 
just things people saying like, you know, I just want to say that you're doing such a good job. And I've made some of my best friends through Podcast Brunch Club. Like that just makes me so happy to know that people are connecting and meeting each other and, you know, enriching their own lives. So yeah, we'll see. I just have to figure out a way to make money from it. And I will say, I do not ever anticipate that it would ever come down to like member dues or anything like that. Like this is free for members. I have a Patreon. People can pitch in a couple bucks a month if they if they have the funds. But I just don't see this being a member funded model at all. I think if anything, it's a sponsor funded model where I get a bunch of sponsors who understand that this is a community. This is not a blog, right? You're not going to pay a CPM that you're going to pay for a blog or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Like these are people who leave their houses once a month to meet up with strangers and talk about the content. These are the people who start word of mouth. Word of mouth is one of the biggest ways that podcasts spread. And there's no way to capture that. Like Podcast Brunch Club is really, you know, that is where people swap recommendations. Yeah. So I think that there's value in that. I was just going to say the word value. I'm like, you've been building, you've been building a valuable asset, you know, and, and it's selling it now. It's like (laughs) pitching it and selling it. And that's what I'm just not good at. Oh, Lordy. Yeah, I feel that. What do you think is the importance of podcasts right now for people in their audiences, communities, listeners? I will say that I recently posted on the Podcast Brunch Club Facebook group asking for specific recommendations of podcasts that are covering coronavirus, but not from a like news and facts and figures perspective. Yeah. And because, I mean, I'm overwhelmed and like drowning in that information and it is not helping me at all. Like, in fact, it's confusing me more than ever, because I will find out one fact one day, and it won't be true the next day. And what good is it to know that on a day to day basis? It's just not, it's just not helpful. But I do recognize that there is, and this is what freaks me out about the whole pandemic is like, there is a war happening around the corner for me. And while I think everything is so quiet, and the birds are chirping, and you know, whatever, there is a full-on war happening at a local hospital near me, you know, and near every one of your listeners, most likely. And we don't hear that because we don't have war correspondents in the same way that a regular war has a war correspondent, right? Like embedded reporters. And there are very good reasons for that. And there that is not my gripe, right? Like I don't have a gripe about that. I don't want reporters going into the ICUs and exposing themselves and shoving their microphones in front of doctors' faces. That's not the idea. But There are some really cool things coming out of podcasts that are doing a really good job of kind of telling the frontline stories. So I just heard an episode of Radiolab. I think it was Dispatch 5, possibly, that somebody that used to work for Radiolab is now a doctor and has and has taken his audio recorder into into the ICU and is recording some of his conversations. And I don't know how this whole thing works out with HIPAA. For those of you in the United States, you know, the the Information Privacy Act, the Health Information Privacy Act. But that's the kind of stuff that I think is really exciting to hear, because like that's the thing we're missing in this time right now is that perspective. And and the other podcast I will shout out is The Nocturnists. I have been singing their praises for a while now. I actually did a Q&A as an article with Emily Silverman, who is the, the producer. The Nocturnist is actually kind of like The Moth. 
It's a live storytelling show that was started in San Francisco and they would record the the conversations or the, sorry, the stories that are told live. But unlike The Moth, what they would do is they would take one story, play it on the podcast, and then Emily would invite that storyteller into the studio and do a deeper dive interview with that person, sort of digging into more of the stuff. And the whole point of the Nocturnist is that it's it's about healthcare workers and healthcare providers or people in the healthcare field. So that's the focus of the Nocturnist. And that's always been the way that their podcast has been. And a year or two ago already, I interviewed Emily Silverman for the website. But recently they've pivoted and they're doing audio diaries. So they've had like more than, I think I heard more than 200, but then I saw maybe more than 700 people volunteered oh. to like record or audio diaries. So after their wow. shift, I'm going to record an audio diary. And what she's been doing is she's been putting those pieces together and turning them into episodes. So that's what wow. I think is super exciting about this field. Like you can't go into the ICU and take a camera or a, you know, video camera, but you can definitely record some audio. Yeah. There's something in there about audio that is both somehow more intimate than video in a way, totally. but also more liberating for people. Yes, there is. There was a, I went to podcast movement back when it was in Chicago. Alex Bloomberg was the keynote. He's the yeah. CEO of, of Gimlet Media. And he got on stage and he kind of told stories about, I think he was telling stories about wars and stuff like that. But he was saying that there'd been research done about how compelling certain types of media is. And they compared, I want to say it was like TV, audio, and text. And of all of them, audio is the most compelling in terms of like getting people to either experience empathy or take action. I don't remember what the exact output was, but his hypothesis, and I love it, is that there's something about audio where it's just passive enough. It's not fully passive, like you kind of have to actively engage with it in a way that you don't for video. Mm -hmm. So with video, everything just washes over you. All of the sensations are kind of there for the taking. Like you don't have to really do anything. You don't have to invest any of your own effort or creativity into the process to experience like a movie, right? Like the mm -hmm. sound is there, the visuals are there, like everything is there for you and it just washes over you. With audio, you're investing a little bit of your own brain and imagination, right? Like you don't know what that person looks like. So now you're imagining what they look like. You might be imagining where they're speaking from or who they're talking about or the situation. And so like you are invested, like your mm -hmm. own creativity is invested. And so I think that's kind of what you're hitting on. Yes, there's a phrase that's coming into my mind. I'm going to trademark it. Something about invested imagination, mm. <laughs> imagination yeah. investment, something I'm not really going to trademark it, but I love it. You should <laughs> See, this is why Podcast Brunch Club is so good because you can have these really in-depth conversations with people who get where your brain is going mm -hmm. and it, it doesn't start off with, oh, I was listening to this podcast. Oh, a podcast? What's that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> And I will say that like the other really awesome thing about Podcast Brunch Club is like, it's not just that everybody comes from starting point of knowing what a podcast is and having, right? But they're coming from a starting point of being curious enough and interested enough 
to get together with other people to talk about it. It's inevitable. You're going to have some great conversations that way because you're just gathering the right type of people into a, a room or a Zoom meeting or whatever to engage, right? Podcast Envy is produced by your podcast boss, Andrea Klunder. That's me. The Podcast Envy theme music is by Valentin Sosnitsky, courtesy of the Free Sound Project at freesound.org. And our podcast angel music is by Benjamin Mastropolito, also on freesound.org as Lemon Cream. All music is licensed under the Creative Commons. Our episodes are mixed by Edwin Ruiz. And hey, if you want your show to sound as good as ours, hire us. Put the magic audio mojo of the Creative Imposter Studios to work for you. Thanks so much for listening, and here's to making your podcast the envy of everyone else.